Hallelujah. It's uh, wonderful to be with you. It's, I count it a really uh, a great privilege to be in, invited to speak, and uh, uh, for that I'm, I'm really grateful. I bring Carol's love. Carol's uh, conference this morning with um, with uh, Andrea and Kate and um, Joe. Uh, they're having a great time. Sometimes when you worship, you feel like you've worshipped, don't you? Hmm? It's not always. Sometimes we feel like we have sung songs. And I just want to thank Michelle and, and the team this morning for, for leading us to the throne of grace. It's, uh, worship is something that's, that's not a precursor for preaching of a word. Worship is something for God. And uh, I sense we've been there this morning and uh, there's nothing that I'd, I'd rather do than to hang on to that, yeah, that we don't lose that. Is God sovereign? Is God sovereign? In uh, California at the moment, there are huge fires that are uh, consuming uh, towns and burning homes. There's been 31 deaths. Is God sovereign? In Bangladesh, there's 500 million Myanmar refugees that are homeless and suffering. Is God sovereign? Hey, there's not so many yeses now. Tell me. been huge hurricanes that have torn into the Caribbean and into um, the southern states of America causing havoc people have lost homes and lives and livelihoods is God sovereign there's something about why I say that there's something about that we need to pray the church needs to pray. I, see, I'm, my theology might be a bit skewed. But I don't believe there are individual homesteads in California that God from heaven has sort of breathed down fire on. And individuals that have died. I don't believe in this country that there are people that God gives cancer to. As that's his choice. Like today, I will dispense these diseases to these people. That's not my God. That's not the God I worship. That's not the God I love. That's not the God who saved me. But we live in a, in a fallen world, don't we? That's where we live in a fallen world. And sometimes, sometimes, God can remove his protection over a nation. And when he removes his protection over a nation, all sorts of things happen. If God's hand was not upon you, where would you be? If he didn't guard you 
and protect you and love you every day, what would your life be like? Hallelujah. And I I think for America at the moment, God has removed some of his protection from that land. And there are consequences. I think in the Middle East, when um, nations that are are, uh, anti-Israel, God has removed his protection. And they're falling on their own sword. We should never take it lightly that God is protecting us. And if he took his protection away from my life for one moment, I'm fearful. What might happen? And I only say that to encourage you to pray. Come to prayer meetings on Tuesday, just down the road at Sunnymead at 7 in the morning and at 8. Pray together. I know you have your own church meetings on some Thursdays to pray, but pray. Lest he does just that. I just felt him saying that. That's not what I want to talk about. But it helps us to understand the world in which we live. That we have a sovereign God. We live in a fallen world and we need him. We need him. Our nation needs him. Amen. Thank you for mentioning Romania. I I just came back after... um, just two full days. I travelled on Monday and came back on Thursday to take. I haven't been to Romania for, for four years. It's a, quite some while, having been there quite a lot. And uh, God is doing amazing things in that country, especially amongst the gypsy people, of which are 10% of the population. I met some gypsies from a place um, where the church is just. I, I, mean, I mean, these are not like tinkers and travellers, they're businessmen many gypsies are silversmiths or they're estate agents or they sell second hand cars, they're quite rich but they're Romani people and uh, in this village which only has 1,500 people the church has grown to 700 in just a couple of years by the power of God revival They're running out of people to evangelize. Hey, (laughs) fancy that. Sounds like heaven to me. Yeah? Woo! And uh, I was privileged to to take an an open-air meeting for gypsies in a place called Alexandria. And uh, it was wonderful on Tuesday because the weather was fine. It needs to be fine for open-air, doesn't it? And uh, 15 people gave their heart to the Lord. Praise the Lord. 15 people were saved, which is wonderful. And then I took some uh, church meetings on the, on the Wednesday before coming back, which was, was great. I can only say, in the, the, uh, there was a prayer meeting that was a precursor to the meeting that I took. And they were, look at me, doggy bags. Do <laughs> 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 you know I was at Sunnymead, was it last? Yeah, it was last Sunday. And uh, I had a stinking cold. I get up to preach. I put my hand in my pocket for my handkerchief, which isn't there. And I pull out a doggy bag. (laughs) You need to... (laughs) 
Can you be sure? Yeah. <laughs> I'll move on from that thought. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I forgot where I was in. Oh, yeah, before, the, before the, 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 this church meeting. And there were, there were a lot of quite elderly gypsy ladies there. Well, they seem elderly, but they're probably not, because they, they, they look quite a lot older than they are. They knelt for prayer on wooden floor for 90 minutes. 90 minutes kneeling, praying. And tears were flying down their faces. They cried out to God with tears. They're just such an amazing experience of just humbled in their presence. The other thing I'd like to say, just before I share the word, on the 9th of... I'm I'm taking a team to India next March. There's only Ken and me going at the moment. We need a few more people. Yeah? So if you'd like to go to India next March, March the 6th, for hmm, 15 or 16 days, three days with Callister and 11 or 12 days with Ebenezer, in separate places in, in southern India, then please see me, yeah? Don't say you can't do it, because you can. Just you and God is enough, isn't it? Yeah? We'd sit, we'd agree to sovereign. Ask him if you, if you want to go. Not, no, don't ask him if you want to go. Ask him if he wants you to go, yeah? And then you can have a debate with him, yeah? Um, but to raise some money for that, we are having the most amazing um, uh, Indian meal. £20 on the 9th of November, of which... Is that a doggy bag? Oh! <laughs> Thank you so much, Margaret. For my tears. Um, at 7.30, Rettenden Royal Tiger. It's going to be a feast... Um, and £20. So if, you, if you'd like to, to go to that, yeah, I know there's some people already going from this uh, fellowship. Just You can have a taste of India. Honestly, if you're in India for, and you like curry, that's all they have is curry. You won't have anything else. Um, but it's mild, or can be mild. And um, in 14 days, you'd have 12 curries. Think of that. Just think of that. And we, we, it, it, it would be 42 curries if it wasn't that we had something different for breakfast. But you can have a curry for breakfast if you like. Has that put anyone off? Is anyone signing up? Oh, come on. You can, a deadly poison, it tells me in my Bible, you can direct, eat. Yeah? Yeah, it might make a woman of you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see me afterwards, aren't you? I know, I know, I know that. <laughs> Could you turn to 1 John? One John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. 
he sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we will love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We just think of that. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That is a huge promise. That is a huge, huge, huge promise. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Hallelujah. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and, and he in God. We're at verse 16 now. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Another promise. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. This is God we're talking about. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Wonderful. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the heart of John's first epistle. It's an open letter to all Christians. It's a current letter for you and me. It's written by a man who knew what it was to be loved and to love. He would announce himself in his gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. I'm preaching this because Michelle said, you know, what, what, what do you want to speak about? And I said, well, what do you want the theme of the worship? And I said, oh, Michelle, you, you go with the way the Spirit leads. And she said that, you know, that we, love, we love him because he first loved us. Because God loved John, John knew what it was to have this love within him, the life of God, God is love, to have love in him and that love expressed through him to other people. It's so simple. This is beautifully simple. This isn't, it's profound but simple. And it actually puts a demand on you if, 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 if you know, if, if you are to love, then it puts a demand on you to, to offer forgiveness, offer grace, offer mercy to walk the extra mile to cross the road 
It puts a demand on your life, but it becomes beautiful because it's not of you. It's of the God that is within you. God will lavish you with love that you might love. Amen? It's most important because it's what faith is all about. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love, the Bible tells me. The only thing that matters. For me to be saved and to have faith in God, faith in God is not an end in itself. It needs to be expressed in love, the life of God from within us. That we come to be, this is so glorious, we come to be filled with the love of God. That's what I've come to church for. That's what I need above everything else apart from salvation. Is to be filled and then become a vehicle of God's love wherever I'm screwed out. Without it, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, we're just a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. We're empty, hollow. If I have the gift of prophecy, 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom mysteries and all knowledge, you think, well, that would be wonderful to have those things. And if I have faith to move mountains, whoa, I've really made it. I'm a big time Christian. And have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. The corollary to that is with love I have everything. And I can do everything. Think about it. Turn with me to Matthew uh, 22. Verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything hangs on it. It's like these, these are the hinges on which everything hangs. This amazing door of salvation. Love God and love your neighbour. They can't, Jesus was asked for one, he gave a response of, of two because they can't be separated. I can't love God without loving you. I can't love God without. Loving the world, the loving the people, not the loving the systems of the world. I'm told not to love that. The ethos of the world, but to love every soul on the face of this earth. 
You know, when we work in prison, some of the people we meet are, are, are not the loveliest people in the world. But I'm told not to judge them, but to love them. It's hard sometimes. But with God's help, it's possible. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth. It's through love. Jesus, on the last evening before the cross, he washed his disciples' feet. It was the most important message that the... This is the last chance he had to be with them before the crucifixion. So he's not going to give them some sort of Sunday school lesson about some ethereal thing that's of no matter. He, he, he teaches them something. And he says, as you've seen me do this, you do it. You live this out, this, this love servanthood. started, let us love one another, John says. Let us do it. I wouldn't say let us, he wouldn't say let us do anything if if it was impossible, would he? He's saying this this is the way it is, let us do it. There's no one on the face of this earth that God wouldn't give you the capacity to love. Even those that have hurt you the most. Because you do it with his love. Why? Because in 1 John it says love comes from God. That's why. The fruit of every gift of the Holy Spirit, all the elements of the, the virtues of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, as love it is heart. Everything God gives you is that you might give to someone else. Kindness is not, I'm not being kind to myself, I'm being kind to someone else. I'm not being long-suffering to myself, I'm being long-suffering to someone else. If God gave me a gift of miracles, it's not for me, it's for someone else. If he gave me a gift of knowledge, it's not for me, it's for someone else. He's given someone else the gifts that I need. Therefore, there's a command that you've got to love me. Hey. I won't push that, but it's true. Let's do it. Why? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, because God is love. As I mature as a Christian, the greater I should love the greater I should show forgiveness to people that upset me, offend me. And in being set free from everything that binds me, it allows me to love more. It's less about me and it's more about others. Isn't that wonderful? In the morning you can wake up and before those horrible thoughts possessed you, you can think, who shall I love today? Who shall I encourage today? Who shall I write to? Who shall I phone? Who shall I compliment? Who shall I build up? Even who should I lovingly correct for their good? He sent his son so we might live through him, the word says. 
no longer I that live, but Christ, the God, love lives within me. Let's do it. Why? Because God first loved us. Not that we first loved God. Because he sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice. Can I have a Pentecostal hallelujah today? Can I? Yay! Let's do it because of those reasons. But if that's not enough, let's do it because there's consequences. No one has seen God, but as we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. Turn with me to John 15, if you have a Bible with you. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for those who were enmity against him you are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name This is my command. Love each other. That's the fruit. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Everything flows from love. Evangelism flows from love. I don't evangelize. I don't share. There was a beautiful occasion on the flight out there. I I prayed to God that I'd sit next to someone because I was all on my own. And uh, two ladies, and I thought they were Romanian, and... uh, I got to talking to the lady who was right next to me. And she said, do you know where I come from? I said, I'm not sure. She used to speak good English, you see. And uh, she said, I come from Israel. I said, oh, I love Israel. She said, do you? That's strange. I said, I, I love the, the Jewish people. She said, no, oh, not many people do that. And I got talking to her and I said, in fact, I fell in love. <laughs> I fell in love with a Jewish man 45 years ago. And she gave, she looked at me very ensconced. <laughs> and I said, I love him even more today than I did then. She said, oh. <laughs> and I told her all about Jesus. And she was a, she, she'd been a secular um, a, a Jew until about a, a, a year or so ago. And she shared things about her life that only her husband and her friend knew about. She just opened up her life and she's, she'd found faith in Jehovah. She didn't know about Jesus. But I gave her my, and, and she let me talk about my testimony. And uh, I, I gave her my email and she said she'd email me and that 
and we were welcome to go to her home in Caesarea. But that all came about because I wasn't interested in doing a Sudoku. I wanted someone to love. I wanted someone to pour God's love on just briefly. I don't know what will happen. We were created to be loved and to love. God's love is ceaselessly looking for someone to receive his love. Ceaselessly. That's why worship is so, that's why it was so lovely. Because I felt the love of God all over me as we worshipped. To receive his love and to give it away. That's what Christianity is all about. To receive the love of the Father and give it away. How beautiful. How simple. That God saved me, that I might receive his love and give away something that's not mine. It's like the richest person in the world giving, giving you a million pounds. I say, now go and give it away. I say, well, you could give it away. No, I want you to give it away. John 13, 35. Why should we do this? By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He doesn't say it's about it. Doctrine's important. It's important to believe the truth. But it's not saying by your doctrine everyone will know. It's not saying by your church attendance. It's not saying by your good works. It's by your love. All men will know that you are my disciples. But it's not only a witness to others. It's an inner witness to you that we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. As we start living out this, there's a huge sense of God, a reality of God. Satan wants to keep tricking us, you know, and put doubts in our mind. I mean, you can become consumed by the love of God. It's a sort of blessed assurance. As we know, as we love, we know God. It's a principle that Carol and I try and live by. Carol's much better than me. Hugely better than me. She'll go and find someone to love. She'll find a person that's sitting down begging in the street and she'll go and sit next to them. She'll get on their level. She'll talk to her. She's been given the gift of talking, my wife. Do you know that? <laughs> but she uses it for God's glory. She talks to anyone. She talks to, to uh, you know, if, if you're a... Uh, on the checkout at Tesco's. Just look, look at a little name. Oh, Daniel. Do you know where that name comes from? No. 
Oh, it's in the Old Testament. Let me tell you about him a little bit. And they said, you promised to go home and read about it now. Whenever we acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God, it's not just a mental ascent. It's to live according to the truth. When we live in love, this amazing promise is we live in God and God lives in us. When we love, we get plugged into the vine. We're grafted into the vine. And the life of the vine comes whoosh into us. The life of the vine. So much other stuff the enemy would want us to, us to, 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 to get into us that would cause mixture. And so there's a consequence, there's a witness to others, there's a witness to us. But the third thing in verse 16 is we know and rely on the love God has for us. What do you rely on? What is your reliance on? John had come to the the revelation that he relies on the love of God. Not his own cleverness, not his own ingenuity, not his possessions. But he relies on the unceasing love of God. That's what God will want for me and for you. We know and rely on the love of God has for us, the dependence on the one who loves us. So let us love one another. There's a consequences, there's a reward. It says love is made complete in us. How can that be? How can God's love be made complete in us? You know, petrol has no value unless it's put in a car. In itself. God's love, you know, exists. But he, in an amazing way, has in a sense limited himself. That that love needs a human being to work through. I know he can do it sovereignly. But more often than not, I felt the love of God through flesh, through a man or woman that's come alongside me. God's love is made complete when it enters you and it finds out working. And in the end it gives us confidence to stand before Jesus at judgment because in this world we are like him. That judgment will be not about ethnicity or or anything or ability or education it would be like the likeness of Christ I mean not the judge the judgment of my life I know I'm saved I know my my name is in the Lamb's book of life I know that that's not what the judgment's about that's just the reading of of a book the judgment standing before Jesus is what I've done with my life It's about the likeness, how how like I am to Jesus. 
That's what the judgment's about. Because in the world we are like him, the word said. Say, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? It's about giving a glass of water. It's about visiting, visiting a prisoner. It's about acts of kindness. See, there's nothing to fear about judgment, he says, when we love. He says, if, if, if we're fearful about coming before Jesus... It's because we're not made perfect in love. He says, perfect love casts out the fear. It's a misquoted verse, this one. But perfect love casts out the fear of standing before the Lord on that great and glorious day. It's the litmus test. I close. by reading just a few verses from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. You see, he prays. He prays that Christ may dwell and in that dwelling that we will be established in love. May have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. For us to comprehend this amazing love that came from heaven to earth for you and for me. That we would somehow comprehend that and it would change my life. It would mould my life. It would fashion my life. It would be the reason I live. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge. Too big. <coughs> too high, too lofty. That you may be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. What is that? This love. To be filled with the fullness of God. This is, this is Paul's prayer for this church he loves. And he knows they're going to be persecuted. He says, what you need above all else. That's why Stephen, when he was being stoned, could look up with the face of an angel and, and utter the same words as Jesus, Father, forgive them. The more he was squeezed, the more love came out of him. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask 
and imagine according to his power and workiness to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That little bit, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, isn't just something. They're not two verses. They're tagged on to the previous verses. We do immeasurably more because of this amazing love. You may think you can't do it. You may think you're going to leave this place unchanged, but you can. You can have the cleanest heart. You can have every grievance that you've ever felt removed. You can have bad memories scorched from your mind. You can choose to think differently. You can love those that hurt you and continue to hurt you. You can love those that abuse you and take liberties, take you for a ride. And as you love with this love God gives you, You, can, you, can, you may think God has dealt you a, a, a bad hand. You can love him because you know that hand's not going to last forever and you can know that you're forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. If we say we love God but hate our neighbour, do you know that word hate just means to show disinterest? I've been so, 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 so convicted about, I'm not getting out of doggy bag, don't worry. <laughs> this thing of sitting at the dinner table with Carol, with this thing, and I'm reading a, some text that I could read two hours later. I'm showing disinterest to Carol. That doesn't please God. You know the most important person in the world is the person you're with? If we say that we hate our neighbour, then we lie. Or love God, but hate our neighbour. Whoever loves God must love his brother. There is the evidence In Luke 10, there's the story of the Good Samaritan. You know the story well. The guy tries to get off the, the hook and says, well, well, who is my neighbour? Well, I'll tell you who your neighbour is. It's the person that's closest to you at any one time. That's your neighbour. And they need what you've got, the love of God, more than anything in the world. And he says to the, his disciples, you know, after the Good Samaritan, and I say, oh, no, no, he says, you go and do likewise. Go and cross the road for someone. Go and be Jesus to someone. So I'm too timid. Go. And he'll show you how much courage you've got. I'd love us, could we just, could we just have a little bit of music, John? Yeah? In fact, that, 
Could we, we'll close now, could we, that, that last song we sang, could we sing it again? The, the surrender one. Yeah? Because I think, in it, surrender is such a, a sort of defeated word. I give up. But it's, in Christian terms, it is victory. To surrender to the love of God is amazing. So, can we, can we stand to sing this and then I'll pray? Perhaps you just continue to pray. Yeah. Lord, we're humbled in your presence by this amazing grace. Father, you chose us by name not through any merit of ourselves but your amazing mercy and love Father you've loved us with an everlasting love you've lavished us with your love Father you've lavished your love upon us Lord we stand here humbled Lord, we've sung that we'll give up everything. Father, we know that you'll give us everything. You'll give us all that we need for righteousness, holiness and godly living. Lord, we open up, we say sorry, Father, where our lives have been filled with other things, where somehow we've lost the plot. Lord, we come back come back to your cross and say Father forgive us forgive us for unforgiveness in our life forgive us for judgmentalism prejudice selfish desires Father that have stopped us being the the vehicle of your love to the hurting world Father we're so sorry Lift these things from us, Father. And we come to you again and say, Father, pour your love into our lives till it overflows, pressed down and running over into this hurting world, Lord. Father, we'll be the vehicles of your grace and mercy to our friends, to our family, to our neighbours, to our nation to your world Lord Father to such a degree that when we're squeezed Father your love flows we give you glory and praise and honour tell you Lord that we love you we're undone by your love your unrelenting love toward us tracked us down to this point Lord and now would overcome us like an avalanche of love would shower upon this congregation Lord fill our hearts to overflowing for your glory 
Amen.